John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. It is time for our Wednesdays with Wyman. Dave Wyman joining us. And so, Dave, it doesn't look as though Tack McKinley is going to be available for Seattle. Uh, word out of the Las Vegas Raiders is that uh, there's a good chance that they're going to put it on a waiver claim. We don't know if anybody else will. There probably will be maybe a couple. But, uh, you know, because the Raiders have a uh, higher seeding right now as far as, you know, getting players because of their draft position, Seattle, of course, being toward the bottom of the first round, that means that uh, there's, a, there's a good chance that he's not going to get down to Seattle. Well, I'll say this, John. I have stopped thinking that they're lacking talent, uh, I, you know, on defense. To me, I mean, you can throw as, as many guys as you want until they get it straightened out and everybody starts doing their assignments and not making mistakes and error after error after error. Uh, it, you could put you can put it, the best team. You could put the dream team. You know, we talked about that yesterday. Remember in Philadelphia, 2011. And they went eight and eight, but I mean they had all this talent that, but they just didn't play together, and you know. So I mean, look, I've been talking. Brock did the game. Paul Moyer, you know, you ask any any of the analysts, you know, Ray Roberts, anybody. I mean, you can see. Look, I I don't know what the defensive calls are, but I can see when two guys jump the same guy. I can see when a guy vacates his deep third and jumps an underneath route. I can see when a guy uh, bites hard on a play-action pass when all of the offensive linemen are showing pass and you're not reading your keys. I mean, all those things you can see. So, I mean, th- that's what they need to get figured out. Uh, it's, not, it's not about getting more talent in here because you got Carlos Dunlap. And, by the way, I did a football one-on-one thing, John. Just wanted to mention mm-hmm. that. Uh, and just a quick thing on the fact that he, he has the speed to kind of go underneath a block and make a, a tackle for a six-yard loss. And now it's not right to go underneath the block, but if you make the play, you're right. And so he goes under a block, and uh, it kind of violates a, a rule of the defense, but he makes the play. So you can do that if you make the play. And then he has a bull rush on a 325-pound tackle, and then with one arm reaches out and grabs a 240-pound quarterback who's 6'5 and throws him to the ground. So he, he looks good. Uh, he looks very promising, you know, and they have some really good talent out there, but they're just not playing together. So, yeah, the Tack McKinley thing, I mean, I, I bet you Schneider would have been in on it. I mean, he's done a great job, I think. Schneider's, you know, tried, done everything he can to bring in all of this talent. So now we've just got to get them playing together like they did against San Francisco. Yeah, and of course, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just like a, they've kind of lost their way as far as what they're doing. And I was talking to a coach that was kind of studying them uh closely and you know he thinks what they need to do is get back to the cover one cover three type defense particularly where you have the cornerbacks in man coverage the two outside cornerbacks in man coverage and that's they've kind of gotten away from that well they were in cover three on the the first, but, but, uh, but, but, but first they still were playing the first off. touchdown yeah yeah of course What's but that? they were playing a little more off there wasn't as much man well, okay, yeah, I mean, if you want to play man, that's fine. I mean, I think that they've tried to back off Trey Flowers just because, you know, he doesn't trust himself. And, you know, if you want to get up and, and play cover one, play, you know, man-to-man, uh, okay. But, um, you know, like the cover three, I mean, look, <laughs> that it's a perfect example, I guess, is my point, is that, you know, they're in cover three on that first touchdown. Mm-hmm. Well, they run a deep sail, and Trey, who's supposed to have the, the deep third, he jumps the underneath route inexplicably. 
And, and you know, and so you see on that, if you go back and look at that first touchdown, Quandre Diggs turns around and, eh, you know, I know it's not very cool to do that, but he puts his arms up like, hey, where were you on that one? And, you know, Trey just jumped the underneath. And Trey knows this. He knows that. He knows that. But that's cover three. And so, like, my point is, you know, you could talk about scheme. You could talk about all the talent that you want. You could talk about playing different coverages. I guess, you know, cover one would be the most simple, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you got that guy. See that guy right there, number 83? You follow him everywhere he goes. I mean, that's assignment-wise, it's very simple. Uh, zone is a little bit more, you know, you're, you know, cover three. I mean, you're you're having to read patterns and pattern prog- progress and stuff like that. So I guess if you're just trying to keep it really simple, yeah, just play cover one. You got that guy, and if you get beat, you get beat. But, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. And I, I can't figure out what they're doing, John. I, I don't, you know, I, I always say this, like, I'm not in the meetings, so I don't know. Maybe Trey was supposed to jump that guy in cover three, but it sure doesn't look like it to me. So, you know, that's a, that's a thing. I talked to, talked to Brock, who did the game, and, and, and Paul, like I said, everybody. It's, it's, there's a lot of confusion there, and it's a lot about, you know, I thought in that San Francisco game, everybody did their job. You know, you saw everybody, and you saw them trying to do it against Miami. It was getting better and better. So, And then this one just took a, a turn for the worse. So I think Buffalo's really good, and that's part of it. But I, I do think that, you know, and I said this yesterday, you can – when you make a mistake in the NFL, the quarterbacks are too good. They're going to find it. They're going to find your error. If you have two guys jump on the same guy and there's an open zone and there's a receiver there, they're going to find it every time. In college, you can get away with it. Certainly can get away with it in high school, but not at the pro level. The quarterbacks are so good, they will see your error and they'll exploit it. Yeah, no doubt. And that's going to be is how do you think the matchup is for this Ram team? Because it's a little bit of a different Ram team than we've seen from before, because they were like the team that ran the most three receiver sets. Now they're a little bit more too tight end. Yeah, and they did that a little bit last year against the Seahawks. I mean, I I guess I worry uh, about the perimeter and how they attack it, you know, with the fly sweep and then what comes off of that. But, (laughs) you know, John, the thing you got to be worried about now, their defense Holy smokes. I mean, they have like three, four number two ratings as far as um, their defense goes. Defensive total yards per game, they're number two. Points, they're number two. They're only allowing 19 points, John. And then, you know, their net pass differential per game is like 61 yards. So they're holding opponents 61 yards, you know, fewer than they're getting on offense. And then their defensive net passing uh, yards per game, they're – they're number two in that as well, 197 yards. So they're playing really good defense. Um, you know, they have, what do they have, like 24 sacks or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're looking really good. They have 25, actually, and they're fifth best in the league. So it, this is, a, this is a, a good defensive team, too, not to mention, you know, all the stuff they're doing offensively. Yeah, no doubt. And so that, that's going to be the big challenge. What's your thoughts on what you've seen from Jared Goff so far this year? Well, I mean, I've just started kind of looking into him, but I mean, I think he's getting a, a little bit better um, as far as, to me, him and Garoppolo, the two guys in the in the division and certainly in the NFL, I think um, that you can get pressure on and their eyes come down. You know, you can, you can affect them. And so, you know, I think if you can do that, I think he gets easily flustered, flustered and you know, I always say, hey, if his uh, helmet mic goes out, he's not going to know what to do because McVeigh tells him everything to do. I don't think he's the sharpest quarterback, but um, but he's he's good. And you know, 
But they've got this kid now, uh, Henderson, Daryl Henderson mm-hmm. Jr., who's their leading running back, and he's not even in their um, their media guide, you know, as far as talking about starters. Uh, 95 rushes, 458 yards, three touchdowns. He catches the ball. So, yeah, they're they're dangerous offensively and lots of weapons. And But, you know, Goff, I think, is a really good deep ball thrower. I'll give him that for sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And Cooper Cup is really good. I still remember that first game that uh, Cup played down in Los Angeles uh, and how good he looked. I said, hmm, this guy looks like he could be a number one wide receiver. Yeah, he, he's good. And they've got kind of a, a little special connection there. So, yeah, and did he get hurt last year or was it two years ago? I think it was last year. When, yeah. yeah, so anyway, he's he's another good weapon for him. And then, you know, Robert Woods, very underrated, Josh Reynolds. And then, you know, like you said, John, their tight ends, Higby and Everett, they're, they're always pretty good. So, But, yeah, Cooper Cup is uh, one of those guys that just runs those exact little routes and um you know robert woods more of the deep threat type of guy but you know i always worry whenever we play the rams it just seems like everything starts with that fly sweep and if you can shut that down then you can you know you can at least take something away as far as attacking the edges because they do a really good job with that and that was one thing i remember down in la when they lost down there that was uh, something that that didn't get taken care of and it's our Wednesdays with Dave Wyman. So, David, thank you. And, of course, looking forward to talking to you at 4 o'clock. Hey, I want to say happy Veterans Day uh, to everyone today, and for especially all those people that served our country. Really appreciate that. And happy Veterans Day, John. Okay, thank you. Talk and to happy you Veterans. And thank you all for all the veterans. Listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to get out the report card, get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for The Report Card with the Professor. And the Report Card we got out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. <clears throat> we take the stories, the anecdotes. We take the social media comments, and we attach a grade to it. And, of course, uh, you know, we take all the voices, too. And so, Curtis Rogers, what do we have? Well, John, as you know, in this segment, it usually tends to rotate between piling on the Cowboys or the Jets. Those are the yeah. two teams that are on the punching bag. Well, today... Let's pile on the Jets. Bill Belichick, during his weekly radio show on WEEI, uh, was well, it was following the Monday night game that the Patriots sneaked out of East Rutherford with a 30-27 to victory over the winless Jets. Bill Belichick was asked about his brief time with the Jets, uh, and he gave a pretty funny answer as to uh, his memories of, of coaching the Jets for about 24 hours. They did play a little snippet of your press conference when you were leaving as the HC of the NYJ. I'm sure you're not surprised at that at all. Well, one, one of the not only most defining, but, you know, one of the one of the great moments of my career. And that combined with, uh, you know, Robert giving me the opportunity to come here. I mean, that's, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything more. So it's just that wasn't a good situation for me, and I didn't want to be part of it. So I wasn't. One of the great moments of his career, John. Wow. The 24 hours he spent as head coach of the New York Jets prior to, I believe it was 1999. Uh, how are we grading Bill Belichick? You know, a couple decades removed, six Super Bowl rings removed from that, uh, reminiscing about his time with the Jets. Yeah, I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a B plus. I mean, because again, it was a pointed uh, comment, kind of a slap at the at the division rival Jets, and also <clears throat> talking about uh, you know, what it meant for his career not to be a head coach of the New York Jets. I'm going to give it a B plus. Yeah, I'll give it uh, I'll give it a solid 
I'll give it an A minus. Uh, you know, anytime you can take a shot at the division rival, you got to do it, especially when they were taking a shot at him. That this wasn't just him, you know, going with a shot across the bow. Like it said in the interview clip, they had played a clip of Bill Belichick's press conference announcing his resignation from the Jets, which I believe his official resignation paper was on a napkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's how the story goes. And so Belichick, you know, saying, hey, if you're going to go low, I'm going to go lower here, calling it one of the greatest moments of his career, resigning from the New York Jets. Uh, Belichick, I'll give him an A-minus on that one. Uh, also, John, on the report card today, uh, well, it was a couple days ago we got the news that Tony LaRusso, White Sox manager, has been uh, or was arrested in February uh, for DUI, the second time he's been arrested for that in about 13 years. He pled guilty back in 2007 to the same uh, crime. And then during his arrest, he had some pretty interesting quotes for his officer that were released yesterday by ESPN and Jeff Passan, uh, the most notable being LaRusa trying to get out of his arrest by saying, quote, I'm a Hall of Fame guy, brother. Uh, John, never good to play the do you know who I am card, never good to play that, especially when you're getting arrested. Uh, the Hiring of Tony LaRusso was already being heavily scrutinized. Now comes this. Uh, now comes the White Sox saying that they will stand by Tony LaRusso through all of this. What an absolute disaster. How are we grading the first about week of Tony LaRusso's tenure with the White Sox? No, we have to give it an F. I mean, because again, first off, it's dangerous to have that happen. Now, what, two years in a row? And then, you know, trying to, you know, flash your super, your, uh, your, a championship ring to say, oh yeah, look, you know, look who I am. It's like I'm more important than anybody else. I mean, first of all, I think it's a mistake that he's back in the game, particularly this old, because I don't know what he's going to be able to do to relate to the players. And of course, you have to wonder, does he have some problems? And so uh, it was a horrible hire. We'll see if it pulls the team down as opposed to things back. And so I'm going to give it a solid F. Yeah, I'm going to give it an F as well. And like you said, you know, DUI is an incredibly serious crime. Uh, you're you're putting yourself in in trouble. You're also putting others on the road in trouble, uh, and you to do it twice. I mean, you mm-hmm. that's a menace to society, is what you are at that point. Uh, it's you gotta you know curtail something in your life in order to uh, not be doing that so often. Uh, Tony Larusa, F to him. The White Sox organization, they get an F. Uh, for continuing this, you know, they could easily back out of this. It can be fixed, folks. Uh, but for whatever reason, they are just going to, you know, go down as the ship is sinking here, which is unfortunate for all the players because, yeah. you know, it's a young, fun team. They're a group that made the playoffs this last year. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's all worth it. Uh, all this trouble has been is worth it right now. Also, John, on the report card, uh, let's get back to the Jets here. Uh, Nick Mangold, longtime center for the Jets. He's re- since retired, but he was on the team when Tim Tebow was there. And he shared a story this week of a time that Tim Tebow, as we all know, mm-hmm. big churchgoer, refuses to swear at any point, uh, was met between a rock and a hard place because one of the Jets' audible calls had a curse word in it. So let's see how Tim Tebow was able to wiggle himself out of this one. This is my one Tebow story. Uh, we had a play. It was a, a why oh screen uh, where, you know, the, the tight end actually fakes like he fell down on a running play, hops up, runs back over, throw it back to the, the, t- the tight end, and it's usually wide open. And he comes in, you know, he was backup quarterback, so he'd run, you know, one or two plays each week. 
Um, and he comes in and, you know, he's got the script there and everything. And he go, starts reading it. He goes through the whole formation and gets to the, the last play. Is why? All right, screen. You guys know what it, you know what it is. And we're like, no, Tim, what is it? And he goes, no, nah, I'm not, I'm, nah, I'm not going to say it. I'm like, I don't know what the play is then. I don't, you got to be able to say it. And so, I mean, I think we ended up getting yelled at for that because we were taking forever in the huddle, but it was like, I, I don't know what the why you guys know what it is screen is. I, I don't know what it is. So I, I found that to be pretty funny. How are we grading the uh, Tim Tebow sort of workaround to what the play call was? I mean, t- I mean, Tim Tebow was an F as an NFL quarterback and is an NFL F as far as uh, what he was, the position that he's taken. It's like, okay, I mean, you do have the ability to look at the script and all that stuff before games. I don't think this was just some audible that they created. So it's like to be in the middle of a game and cause that kind of confusion to your teammates, particularly when you're so inaccurate throwing the ball. <clears throat> Again, Tebow, I think, still remains one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen come into the league. I know he had the 8-8 eight and eight season and uh, was able to you know, get a playoff win over Pittsburgh and all that stuff. But he was he was terrible. And, you know, again, it just like he was not fit to be in this league. I mean, so I know that, uh, you know, Derek Carr does not like swearing. <clears throat> That's something that, you know, he and John Gruden have to kind of battle about, but to go in there and not call the right play when you had the ability as a course of the week to say, I can't have this word in my script. I can't do this. And, you know, hash it out in the field. That's terrible. Yeah. It, it's an interesting place to take a stance like yeah. that. Uh, in, in the huddle, uh, I, you know, it's just you're running up against the play clock here. There's you only get 40 seconds to call it, uh, and each second matters in terms of the overall game clock. Uh, you know, to kind of take a stance like that at, at that time seems a little bit. You know, it seems a little bit kind of a much for Tim Tebow right there. Uh, but as as it turns out, those Jets teams there were bigger problems. Uh, you know. They had bigger hangups going on on the field and off the field. So, yeah, not surprised that that no. Jets team was no good for as long as they've been no good. They're still no good. They have no wins this year. Uh, but, yeah, Tim Tebow, I'll give him a, a D- minus for that one. Uh, you know, w- what point are you trying to prove yeah. right there? Like, I get, you know, who you are and, and what you stand for, but in the middle of a game, you know, heck, Russell Wilson, he's somebody that does not swear at all outside of the field, uh, outside of, you know, imp- he doesn't do it in press conferences or anything yeah. like that. But if you've heard him mic'd up, he he lets it fly during a game. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a time and place for it. That is it for today's report card, John. Okay, and of course, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to visit Hard Seltzer text line taking your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And a kind to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. Text us at 710-710. And so, Curtis, what do we have? John, this one from the 253. They want to know what he put the odds of Chris Carson playing this weekend. Uh, too early to say. I mean, we'll get a better idea uh, when Pete Carroll tells us he was on the practice field or what he was able to do. So I'd say right now maybe 40%, but I wouldn't rule him out. I think it's an important game. They need him. They can't certainly you know risk further injury to that foot, but I think he's going to try to see if he can give it a try. This one from the 425, John. They want to know, can Jacksonville's Jake Luton replicate another 300-yard passing game against Green Bay? 
Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, say what you want about Green Bay. They struggle on defense, but uh, as long as they get some healthy guys in the secondary, they're okay there. I mean, their big problem is stopping the run. So I would definitely say no. And, of course, I mean, it's, I, I guess the only way he can get 300 yards, if all of a sudden he's down, he's trailing like 38 to 10, and it's just garbage yards. This one comes to us from the 808, John. They want to know, is Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley still a hot commodity amongst NFL teams? Uh, he would be, but I don't think – I think most people realize he's not going to really come be out of college because why would you? <clears throat> you make good money in college. You have great security. I mean, you come to the NFL, I mean, all of a sudden, if you're not winning within three years, then you might be in trouble and might not get – the uh, the longevity. So I think you know he's he's going to be popular. Some teams may take a run at him, but I think he stays in college. This is a good one from the two hundred six, John. They want to know if you could undo any Seahawks offseason transaction this year, which one would it be? Mm, yeah, I'd say B.J. Finney because uh, you know, but it, but it turned out they were able to use him to be able to get Carlos Dunlap, which now turns out to be a great trade because they got Finney in a seventh round pick and he cleared some cap room. So I thought that worked out. Uh, but, you know, Finney obviously was a signing that didn't work out. Philip Dorsett was a signing that didn't work out. I'm not going to pull the plug right now on Carlos Dunlap, but I think you have to kind of review that, you know, with the injuries and everything going on there. But I guess, uh, you know, Dorsett would be the one you'd probably say, nah. Another college football game getting canceled this weekend uh, involving a top-five team. Ohio State getting their game canceled against Maryland. So add it to the list, John. We got Unbelievable. About- and what, we have, uh, what, three in the SEC? Four as Four in today. the SEC. Wow. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of people sitting at home this weekend. Uh, from the 425, they want to know, is Josh Gordon still holding a roster spot with Seattle? Uh, no, he's not. He's on a suspended list, so he does not hold a roster spot. I mean, the only thing that he holds was he got, I think he got a signing bonus of maybe 1375 a thousand so it's like uh, he gets to hold that but you know his base salary doesn't count against the cap and he's not on the roster 425 they want to know john we've got thanksgiving in a couple of weeks what is your favorite thanksgiving side dish hmm i'd say uh oh the scallop potatoes Ooh, that's i kind of like them yeah scallop potatoes goes well with that uh, you know, certainly, you know, all the stuffing. I mean, you lo- you got to have the stuffing. I don't know if you include that because that would be included in the turkey and all that stuff. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I like sweet potatoes. I hate sweet potatoes. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. okay. I like mashed potatoes. I like any mashed kind potatoes of potatoes. Yeah. Uh, rolls, shout out to those. Uh, this one from the 425, John. They want to know, what do you prefer, chili dog or chili fries? Mmm... I go. I guess a chili dog more than the fries because I don't. I don't like the chili on the fries. I mean, that just kind of kind of goes against the grain as far as that goes. But uh, you know, chili dog again. It's, uh, you, you like the dog. I mean, you know, I'd almost prefer a brat, but uh, you know, I don't think there's chili brats are there. I I don't think so. That'd be no. pretty hearty. Chili yeah. fries. You gotta eat it with a fork. You can't just you know. That's not finger food. No, 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 it, no, no. it just crumbles on you. Uh, this one, John from the 509, they want to know if Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar are out, who will start opposite of Trey Flowers? Mm, probably DJ Reed, I would guess. I mean, that would probably be one of the considerations, and you know that, that would really be a tough situation. That's why they need to get some of these guys back and then kind of see where they are with Dunbar. This one goes to the 253. They want to know, John, how... Uh, how likely is it Ken Norton Jr. 
comes back to S- Seattle in 2021? Uh, can't, can't have to wait to the end of the season to judge that. I mean, you're in the middle of the season. You're eight games in. I mean, if it continues to struggle like it is right now, the chances of him coming back aren't very good. But, uh, you know, he still has time to get this thing better. Uh, this one comes to us from the 360. They want to know, John... Do you think Carolina regrets giving Christian McCaffrey so much money since he's been hurt? Mm, no, no, I know they they don't because they think that he's their star player and guys get injured. I mean, you know, that's just part of the game. And it is kind of ironic that here he is getting sixteen million dollars a year as the face of the team, and the face is pretty much just on the bench with a uh, with maybe a mask on. And so, uh, you know, kind of sad. And of course, the, the story this week is that he came back on Sunday for after that long bout with the ankle injury, and then uh, got his shoulder hurt. And so now it's a matter that uh, he's definitely not going to play this week, and you don't know if he is. But, again, that's the problem that you have when you pay running backs. Now, I know you look at Dalvin Cook. I don't think they regret what's going on there. Uh, certainly Alvin Kamara, they don't, don't, don't regret what's going on there. I mean, Joe Mixon, you have to kind of wonder because he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. 253 wants to know, how's Daryl Bevel been doing with Detroit's offense this year? Okay, not great. I mean, you know, it's, it's one where, you know, they've been kind of rotating a lot of different running backs. I mean, you never know which back is going to be there, even though Adrian Peterson is on the team. Uh, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford's been kind of up and down this year. So, uh, I mean, let's put it this way. Most things in the coaching side, uh, particularly with Matt Patricia, and as bad as their defense is and as many blown leads as they've had, you, know, you kind of give him an F. But I'll, I'll give uh, Daryl a C. 509 wants to know, John, in retrospect, was replacing Chris Richard a mistake by Seattle's coaching staff, or is it still justified given the current state of the defense? Mm, I'd I, I, I take a pass on that one because, again, it's like uh, you know they felt it was time to make an adjustment and uh, you know say what you want. The adjustment still – I mean, they were, they were getting into the playoffs, and sometimes it's time to change. I mean, you get together for a long period of time and you go a different direction. And so it's almost uh, – you know, I'd say you know they, they felt at the time it was good for a change. You know, they did come back, and you know Norton has been creative with a lot of blitzes and things like that. That, but now he's got to get things going more on a solid basis or things are going to fall apart. This one from the this one comes to us actually from the 425. They want to know, John, with Pete Carroll getting an extension already done, do you think John Schneider is close behind getting an extension? You would hope. I mean, he should be because he deserves to be. I mean, they both deserve to stay together as long as they possibly can. And so I know that uh, John's in an option year. His contract's not up or anything of that nature, but I think that they definitely need to reward him. 206 wants to know, John, with you being on the Hall of Fame committee, is Adrian Peterson a first ballot Hall of Fame? 100%. I mean, you know, how can, he, he has to go down as one of the best backs in NFL history. So I think he's an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer. There's not, there's not even an argument on that. In fact, you know, the, occasionally we wish we would do it this way, just throw the name out. Hey, Adrian Peterson, next. Because, again, he'll be first ballot. Yep. What Just peeling back the curtains, John, what was the quickest debate you guys had as a Hall of Fame committee for a single, uh, per, a single nomination. Yeah, we go seven to eight hours a, 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 every year, so it's like I don't know if anything's ever brief. I mean, that's one thing for sure. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Brett Favre that didn't have to take too long because everybody knew that he was going to be first ballot, so his was pretty short. You know, I, and it, sometimes it kind of surprised me because I for, I remember I had to do the presentation. Uh, for uh, Terry Bradshaw and all that stuff, and there turned out to be a twenty-minute debate on that. I mean, oh, wow. he made it, but it's like, what are we doing? And he's got four four Super Bowl yeah. rings. Yeah. yeah, put him in the put him in the hall. Uh, this one, John, comes to us 
from the uh, let's go with the two five three. They want to know uh, what do you see Chris Carson's next contract looking like, and do you think it comes from the Seahawks? Mm, I think if, if for him, I think it's going to probably be maybe the franchise tag on a one year deal, and that's going to be discounted because it's not going to be the ten point two five it was this year because the cap's going to go down maybe twenty million dollars and maybe twenty thirty percent reduction in where that goes. And so uh, you know, I think you know, I don't think they want to do a long term type deal because of the injuries, but I still think you can see his value has certainly been noticeable the last two weeks. Two five three wants to know, John, will Pittsburgh extend James Conner? Uh, yeah, I think because I don't think he's going to take a high deal or anything like that. You know, he probably will sign in that four to six million dollar a year range. I mean, still might be a little bit tough because they've got some big cap issues coming up. But uh, no, I think he'll still get something. This one from the three six zero. They want to know: Do you think any other team besides the Raiders will have significant interest in Tack McKinley? You have to think there's going to be some. I mean, which team steps up? I don't know. I think it needs to be more of a four three team than a three four team. So that eliminates about half the league. And I think you have to eliminate most of the teams that have one or two wins because what is Tack McKinley going to do for them? And it's not much. So uh, you know. But right now it looks like the Raiders are the main team that's going to put the waiver claim in that will prevent him to come to. Seattle. That is going to do it for text questions. And of course, we come back next with our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And I guess no surprise, uh, college football going into a ringer right now with the spread of uh, the virus. And uh, four SEC games have been uh, delayed or postponed. You've got the uh, Cal game. Looks like that's not going to come off for the second straight week. That one's because you've got the 14 day uh, quarantine that takes even the defensive linemen through Thursday or through Tuesday of next week. And of course, everything still looks good for Washington's game, but uh, you know, Maryland just canceled theirs. And Alabama, of course, included in the four and the SEC that had to uh, postpone or delay theirs. So uh, I guess we all kind of thought this might happen. Well, I mean, when, when cases started spiking, it certainly looked like it could, and, and it's uh, it, in a lot of places, and uh, very nerv- nervous for uh, for guys who are playing. And, and, you know, the other thing to think about, John, is is what is college basketball going to look like, and what is the NBA going to look like, for that matter? Uh, if they're, they're, not, they're not starting until January, so they've got some time yet. But, you know, it's uh, it's going to be very difficult for that. And, and then, uh, you know, in pro football, there, there, there are more reportings, are there not? Well, yeah, there's more. Well, actually, it's it's uh, you have to kind of differentiate because with the changing protocols, I mean, it appeared to be bad because, you know, last week I counted up 44 players went on the COVID list. Fifteen of them uh, were positive tests. And what happens now is that you have, you know, uh, the contact uh, part of it. You know, if you're closely contacted and considered a high uh, high risk contact, just like Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he was flying on the plane back, and uh, Vance McDonald, the tight end, he ended up getting a positive test. And so just out of precaution, you know, uh, uh, Ben and that have to go for five days. They they can come back on Saturday as long as they don't have a positive test, and that won't be for um, Vance. He's going to have to miss the game. But, you know, it's really not as bad as you think because 15 last week, uh, the previous week there was – the previous month was 32, eight a week. And that's not a number that's going to cause you to uh, delay or postpone games. No, 
No, and, and again, you know, as, as we've talked about too, you know, you're having a chance to see it in hard knocks. The NFL is is uh, taking uh, great pains to try and avoid it, but they're, they're not the same thing that that college sports can do because of uh, you know lack of money uh, among other things. So, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of games canceled this week, and and um, I haven't heard just in looking around a little bit, haven't heard any um, talk about uh, doing anything more than just canceling games as they come and trying to reschedule and trying to keep things moving, but. You would expect probably in the next couple of uh, days or weeks that there are going to be conversations on, on how long to go before you pull the plug. Yeah. Well, I know that the uh, SEC is now taking the tack that they're willing to move their championship uh, game back a week uh, just so that they could uh, you know, reschedule some games if necessary. Because, again, when you take four out of the SEC this week, that's a significant number. Sure it is, and and you know I mean why would it be any better next week, John? Yeah. Or the week after that, for that matter, in terms of the, of the games you're going to lose. So, you know I mean it, it it feels a little like well we'll push it back a week is 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 kind of you know uh, whispering into the storm so to speak. You know it, it's it's something they can do. It's a little flexibility they have built in, but you know that, that's kind of uh, based on the assumption that that things get better. And there's no evidence as we're sitting here talking right now that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And because you, you see nationwide, uh, things have gotten worse. And so uh, that fits in. And I think there's not as good a control over the college ranks as it is in the uh, in the NFL and NBA and baseball and all those other sports. Yeah, there's just not the money uh, to, be in, to be involved there. And, and then, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of colleges and, and we saw the it was, uh, I think, viewed pretty unfortunate what happened in Notre Dame with everyone storming the field. A lot of colleges are having fans at games. Uh, that's going to have to probably change fairly soon. I know uh, up here in Washington, they've, they've uh, decided to go in the other direction so far. And uh, I know the Seahawks have announced up to the Arizona game, I believe. Correct, John? Yeah. That, that, uh, that there aren't any fans going to the game. So, uh, you know, Washington State has, has done a good job with it so far. But um, the numbers are alarming on, on every front, that's for sure. Yeah, I counted up. Uh, there's been, I think, 18 teams that have had fans in the stands now, not including Minnesota, which is now shutting things down. They had 250 mostly family members go in okay. the last home game that they had. But uh, 18 teams right now are allowing fans in the stands. You know, small amount, not a lot of big ones. I mean, Dallas, of course, being the most attended uh, game of any because, again, they've got over 25,000 are there, but still 18. But it doesn't look like there's going to be many new teams. No, and you got you got other, you got the Masters starting this week, which is you know normally in April anyway, and and they're not going to have any fans there. It starts tomorrow, so um, that's going to be uh, th- that'll at least be going on. And it doesn't seem as jarring when it happens in in golf, I suppose. But um, you know, it's a sign of the times that um, that it's going to be tough to get the, to keep the games going. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, good. for for everyone. That's going to be the challenge, and of course, uh, you know that's what everybody has to do. But you, we knew this was going to be tough. I still think that uh, you know you have to admit that the uh, Pac-12 did it worse than anybody else because they left themselves no wiggle room. Right. I mean, uh, you know, they they either stand by your guns or or make your change when you had to make it, and then they didn't, and, and they don't have any. And and uh, again, you know, kind of breath being held. Of Washington's, uh, you know, slated to play Oregon State and. And I mean that's uh, that's the one I know that they're they're truly looking forward to as as everyone is, um, and you know we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, meantime, the Seahawks are getting ready for the Rams and and uh, starting the second half of the season uh, with, uh, with it's, it's been interesting you know and kind of looking at the game a little bit. Uh, the Rams are, 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 and the Seahawks have sort of done an about face. Uh, you know we think of the Rams and Sean McVay with, with their offense, but it's really the defense that, that that's been standing out this year and. You know, just a moment to kind of salute to Aaron Donald. I mean, what a player he is, John, to, to, to be 
uh, as good as he still is, you know, with, with uh, being the marked man, double teamed every play, and, uh, et cetera, as we all know, and having a year this year that might arguably be among his best. Oh, yeah, nine sacks. He has 15 and 15 tackles for losses, uh, and he can just be dominating. And uh, he's, he's just a remarkable player. I mean, I think it's easy to say that he's probably going to win his third Defensive Player of the Year award. As an interior defensive lineman. Well, you know, honestly, we were talking about this earlier in the week. Uh, you know, it's, I think, a little bit easier right now for the, some of the defensive tackles, as long as they have somebody that can, you know, rush the quarterback from the end position to have some success because, you know, they're closer to maybe getting the quarterback than chasing a guy down on the end. Because, again, you see, you know, so many high-paid defensive ends not getting the sacks. I mean, like, for example, uh, Dante Fowler got $15 million a year. He has two sacks. Uh, Jadevian Clowney and Vic Beasley in Tennessee, they had no sacks. Uh, you have uh, what, Bob Quinn got $14 million a year to go to Chicago, and he has one sack. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, it requires an Aaron Donald-type player. I mean, not, not exactly him, but someone like yeah. him, you know, that has strength and quickness uh, and can, can overcome – you know all that traffic in the middle. It just uh, you're right about uh, about you know chasing sacks being a, a tricky thing. Uh, it's just it's just a remarkable remarkable to watch Donald play when when you know he, he's the marked man that he is, and uh, you know that you know what he can do. And you, you you spend your entire week. I mean every every team in the league when they're when offensive scheming against the Rams schemes against him first, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any difference. No, I mean, they're number two in defense right now as far as yardage allowed, and they're allowing uh, just a little over 19 points a game. And for, I mean, you can't even name eight of the other starters on defense other than, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and Michael Brockers. Well, new, a new defensive coordinator there, right? Yes, yeah. And he's done yeah, a nice it's, job. Uh, it, it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, this is, you know, with, with the 49ers kind of ready for a second-half fade, the Rams at 5-3 and three and, and the Cardinals and the Seahawks are – you know, the NFC West is still tough, but, um, you know, that those are the matchups and, and the Rams play, I think, I think they play the Cardinals twice mm-hmm. and the Seahawks twice in the second half. So uh, we'll see what they're made of starting this Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. and that's why, I mean, it's, you know, you talk about pressure. I mean, there's actually more pressure on the Rams to try to win this yeah. one than the Seahawks because their schedule is so much tougher. Because let's say, for example, the Seahawks get a split in these two games against the Rams and Arizona. Sure, it would mean that the Rams would tie them for the division now, but then the uh, Seahawks have those four easy games, you know, three against NFC East teams and the New York Jets that, uh, you know, even if they split, they could be 11-3 and three going into the final two games. Yeah, it looks, I mean, the Seahawks, if they played just the way they played in the first half, and this was one of the things that I wrote about yesterday, yeah. you know, as bad as their defense has been, they're on pace for 12-4. and four. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. It's not so bad. No, I know ESPN, for example, they just did a evaluation, uh, all 32 beat reporters, of where they thought their teams are going to be. And uh, they had Seattle 12-4, and four, Arizona and the Rams 10-6. and six. Yeah, I mean, it's very, you know, if the Seahawks can get a little bit better on defense, you know, they can get to that 13 and maybe be the number one seed. That's it. You know, it's our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a good day. John, be careful out there. We'll talk again tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. And we'll be back tomorrow with 10 John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.